Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast for you, whoever you are. I'm Rachel Wren, Assistant Professor of Biblical Studies at Trinity Lutheran Seminary at Capital University. And I'm Tim McNinch, Assistant Professor of Hebrew Bible at Christian Theological Seminary at that Christian Theological Seminary. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we're bringing you preaching tips and tricks on the first reading for Sunday, October 15th, 2023. And uh, once again, we're in the season where there are all sorts of texts to choose from in the lectionary. So where did you land this week, Rachel? It's so funny. It's like feast or famine in the lectionary. Other, you know, it's either like, what am I going to say about any of these? Or like, I could say something about all of these. So yeah, I had trouble choosing. There are so many great texts this week. There's Psalm 23. There's the golden calf drama of Exodus 32. There's this high soaring hymnody of Psalm 106 and Isaiah 25, which is one of my all time favorite <laughs> biblical texts. It is though. It's so good. I didn't ultimately choose to work with it this week, but oh my gosh, folks, I would not be at all mad if you choose that one to preach on. So I'm just going to throw a couple of the verses out there because they're so good. Give them to us. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wines strained clear. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And right there you can go, death, thou shalt die. And <laughs> a little poetry. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces, jump to Revelation, and the disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth, jump back to Joshua. For the Lord has spoken, John 1. It will be said on that day, lo, this is our God. We have waited for him so that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Ugh. Thank you all for listening to First Reading, the Old Testament lens. I know, yeah, yeah. right? Oh my gosh, just do that. Just read that a couple of times and then sit down. Have people meditate on it for a while. So even though that's so good, I, I found myself coming back to Psalm 106. That's the Psalm that's paired with the semi-continuous Old Testament reading. And I, I don't know, I just, there was, there was a lot going on in there. Yeah. And, and you know, it's Psalms, so why not? I know, right? <laughs> it feels a, feels a little like cheating, but uh, <laughs> it, so, I mean, on that note, Psalm 106 for starters just embodies so much of what I love about the Psalms. And I will say in advance, I'm aware that A, it's a very long Psalm and B, the majority of it is like just listing the bad things that the people have done. I, I know that, right? But <laughs> hold with me just for a couple of minutes. It, I mean, it starts right off in the very first line. If you read it in the NRSV, it says, praise the Lord. And mm -hmm. that's a good translation of the Hebrew here. But the Hebrew word itself is actually one of the very few Hebrew terms that has actually made it into our English lexicon. Tim, I'm assuming you know what this is. Hallelujah. It's <laughs> right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Second masculine imperative. Y'all praise. Praise who? Yah, yeah. shorthand for the divine name of God, Adonai. I, I, I just love the fact that a word we use as praise for God 
not only functions as praise, but it demands that others do so in the process. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it's it's kind of like the little kid who sees something that absolutely delights them, and they will not rest until you've come and seen it too. <laughs> look at, look at, look, look at, look at, yeah, exactly. Look at. <laughs> praise God! Come on, y'all, praise God. Mm-hmm. It's a word that immediate immediately imagines a community of worshipers. And, you know, I'm wondering if that's one of the reasons why this word has been used in so many different places. It it shows up in Handel's Messiah, this like soaring, arching heights of praise. And it shows up in Leonard Cohen's Broken Hallelujah, which is kind of the opposite, the, mm. the wrenching, aching depths of praise. Mm-hmm. And what's what's so wonderful about this word is it can hold space for both of those experiences. Whether you picture it shouted or whispered, this word invites others, actually demands that others come alongside you and participate in that moment with the divine. It's just fantastic. And we're in word one. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it doesn't stop there, right? It goes on. And we've got another uh, interesting part in in that first verse. <laughs> oh, I know. The verse itself just keeps going. So, you know, it starts out, hallelujah. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. That's that's worth memorizing in Hebrew. You know, every once in a while you have yeah. little things that that like the Shema and that sort of thing. This is another yes. one. Odul Adonai Kitov Kilelam Chasto. Oh, nicely done. I think I'm going to make that my new my new goal for this semester because it is. It's especially because for me in anyway in particular, like this phrase has ha, is like one of the foundational blocks of my faith. Like hmm. they're words that just fall from my lips naturally, easily, you know, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. I, I've i said or heard those words so many times that they're just now core to who I am. It, it's, you know, much like the word hallelujah, I think this phrase comes out both in times of sorrow and in times of joy. I mean, I can think of moments in my life of just really great joy when I said those words just in pure delight of something God had done. Okay, thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Mm-hmm. But I can also think of the opposite. I can think of moments in my life of really deep darkness. And when those words were not said in delight, but in hope, in hope that in spite of everything, God is good, that our God's steadfast love does endure forever. Right. And, you know, being embedded in a psalm like this and, and that phrase, that whole sentence mm-hmm. actually shows up in several psalms, right? right? So these are meant to be reused in in various settings and in, in the context of various experiences that the worshiping community is enduring. Precisely. They are meant to become a gift of language for experiences that we have we have trouble putting language to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in fact, if you follow that rabbit hole a little further, if you just look up that that phrase, his steadfast love endures forever, you'll find about 20 occurrences of that throughout the Hebrew Bible, which is pretty significant. Mm-hmm. Um, it occurs in places like Ezra 3, where the people are shouting their praise because the foundation of the second temple is being laid. But just a couple of verses later, they're sobbing because they remember the first temple that was destroyed. And the the phrase that frames that moment is, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Mm-hmm. And then you also find it in places like Jeremiah 33, where the Babylonians are coming or are there, are on the doorstep, are besieging everything and everything is about to fall apart. 
But God is promising that the people will be brought back, that the land will be redeemed, that there will come a time when people will speak this phrase when all is right again. It's a it's a moment of hope that God is good in spite of everything, that our God's steadfast love endures forever. I think, you know, I got I've got one more point to say, but before I leave, before I get off this hobby horse, like the language of the Psalms has been used by generations of God's people for times when they when they needed to put words to the soaring feeling in their hearts or for when they needed to be grounded in the belief that that hope is not lost. And this same language is available to us. And when we use it, we join our voices with that host of hosts who've gone before, this kind of glorious and yet flawed community of saints. And Psalm 106 knows this tension very well. It has this tension baked Mm. into its bones because even after this first soaring section, the psalm continues for over 30 verses describing all the ways (laughs) the community has sinned against God. It knows that life is more complex than just good or bad. And yet it knows something particular about what quality of life we have, depending on what kind of life we lead. And that's where verse six come in and says, happy are those who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times. Hmm. And you could also translate that happy are those who guard justice, the doers of righteousness for all time. And there's so much there, preachers, you could unpack about the connections between justice and righteousness, mm-hmm. about the ways they both have a horizontal dimension, meaning in our relationship outwards with our neighbors, both mishpat v'tzedaka, and they also have a vertical direction, meaning in our relationship with God. And then they have this internal dimension, meaning righteousness and justice within our own selves. All of that, again, in the context of this refrain, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a temporal dimension to that too with the, the uh, shomer, shomrei, mm-hmm. the, that sort of keeping. And then that's paralleled with bechol et for all time or in every, mm-hmm. you know, every time, nice. all occurrences. And nice. so again, there's, there's a, a lifting of the particular circumstance into a, a pattern of dependence on God that lasts generation after generation. Yeah, yeah. So back to that kind of communion of saints idea as exactly, well. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's that's awesome. Um, now I love this psalm. <laughs> <laughs> Good. My job here is done. <laughs> right. Right. So uh, maybe we'll we'll uh, wrap up right there. Thanks so much, Rachel, for helping us think through this uh, soaring psalm. Mm, my pleasure. And thanks to all of you for listening. First Reading is produced by Rachel and me, along with our fantastic colleagues, Rosie Candethel and Paul Essa. You can learn more about the podcast, find all of our back episodes at our fancy website, firstreadingpodcast.com. What, what makes it what makes it fancy? <laughs> I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's at least snazzy. Okay, fair. Firstreadingpodcast.com. If you've been finding these conversations helpful, we would love it if you'd consider donating to support our work. You can find links to do that at the website, whether you're looking to do a sort of one-off gift or set something up for a regular contribution. You can also find us on Facebook or Spotify or any of those places. Um, Find us anywhere on the interwebs. (laughs) Until next time, I'm Tim McMinch. And I'm Rachel Wren. Happy preaching.